Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Genesis chapter 1. Man, I've so enjoyed the worship today. I love this house. Genesis chapter 1. While you're turning there, this couple was driving through Louisiana. And they got in an argument, man. That never happens. But they got in an argument over the name of this town. And they, the man said, well, it's, it's Natchitoches. Now, listen, I'm from Double Springs, Alabama, all right? I'm a hillbilly here in Cajun country, all right? I'm from Double Springs, not even two springs there. How many know that'll give you a complex growing up as a kid right there? All right. So they're, they're traveling through, and they keep arguing, what in the world? How do you pronounce that? Natchitoches. No, I'm telling you, it's Natchitoches. They argue the whole way, and they finally pull in for lunch, and they go up to the bar where they're going to order lunch, and, and they look at this lady, and the guy said, listen, can you settle this argument my wife and I are having? I, will you tell us, say it real slow, what is the name of the place we are in? She looked at him and went, Burger King. <laughs> so anyway... However you say that name. In Genesis chapter 1, here's what we read. Then God said, let us make man in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In his image... God created him, male and female. He created them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I ask you right now, would you allow my tongue be, to be the pen of a writer that somehow I could write your heart to your amazing people sitting in this room and those that are watching online. God, I just pray that your heartbeat would be sensed and known in this place. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You know, your pastor has been going through a series called City on a Hill. What was that? Jesus said, you're, you're the light of the world. You're a city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. What does God frame? What is it? What kind of picture does God frame? I mean, if you took a picture of light, now sometimes we think, God is just framing our social media, that that's what everybody thinks about us. I mean, realize we've gotten in more trouble with social media than probably any other thing because you can be anybody you want to in social media. You can put a picture up making somebody think you're looking all like that and all a bag of chips, but I mean, realize there could be a lot of missing with the picture. Well, what is God? What is he wanting to frame? What's the framework of the picture God not only paints, but he takes for the world to see. See, God is into pictures. He's into his image. 
He's actually only satisfied with his image. God is self-contained. He is self-satisfied. He doesn't take anything. He, is, he has no need, but he does have a plan. I want to say that again. God doesn't have a need, but he does have a plan. He has never one time had an epiphany. God's never at one time went, I, I didn't think of that. He's already thought this thing through. He knows he, before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. He ordained you. He established your days. He wrote a book about you. Everything about you has already been written. It's whether or not we're willing to read what God says about us or we want to try to create our own novel about our life. Where we get in trouble is where we try to write our own pages. And where we find purpose, though, is when we allow God to read the pages of our life from his heart. Pastor Mike talked about holiness a few weeks ago. I'm grateful for a pastor who will talk about holiness in these days. You are blessed. I'm thankful for a pastor. He's talked about service and thankfulness last week. And next Sunday, you're going to be talking about sacrifice. And I know this Ephesians 3.20, this moment where you bring an end of the year and you launch in seed that creates a harvest that I believe you're going to see over the next days and weeks and months you're going to see happen. But here's the thing. I remember, see, I grew up in a day, I'm 52. I know I don't look that, but anyway. I'd had black hair when we started this thing. I've been a pastor. We started our church 17 years ago, and I had black hair, and people did this to me. It just turned. But in that, I grew up in an era where most of the young generation, you don't get what I'm about to say. We actually had cameras that the shutter would open, light would come in, and snap a, a, a negative shot. And then you'd have to take it through a process. I, I remember you used to have to send your film out to get it processed. You had to wait a long time. You'd get it back, and man, you had to go through. You paid for all these blurry pictures. Then they had overnight. You paid... More money for overnight. But it was this whole thing of how a film is developed. Now you take an iPhone, you take a droid. Man, at this moment, you, everything is instant. Everything is now. It's in HD. I am so glad, too, that life is not about just taking a picture of where you are. Never allow the enemy to let you snapshot your moment because that is not the definition of who you are. God works in HD. He works in living video, and he never lets you camp out where that point is of failure. He wants to pick you up from where you are and let you keep living life for where he's taking you. Anybody with me today? But I watched this. This whole thing of God creating mankind in his own image. As it were, he opened the shutter of his heart. He makes this dust form and he breathes himself. In essence, he takes a snapshot of who he is and he breathes life into man. Man becomes a living soul. Life is found there. It's amazing where it says in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says in the beginning was the word. He was the one there. Jesus was the one there creating this. He was taking, he was the word of the father and he was coming to do exactly what father was saying. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Watch this. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends at night. You ever wondered when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, He was really saying, you are the life of the world. Because the light of God is the life of God. And the life of God has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the life. He is the light. And so he said, the very life that I give you, because in the beginning, God entrusted to mankind, he entrusted the ability to represent him in the earth. Man could look God eye to eye and never flinch in shame, not one time. He was as holy as God was holy. He was not God, yet the Bible says that the psalmist said in Psalm 8, for you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. It's really not a good translation. The original Hebrew says this, you have made man a little lower than Elohim, than God himself, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. He crowned man with glory. Man was given the image of God, the glory of God. Man was to be the glory of God in the earth. Father would say, God would say, I want man to be my glory in the earth. Now listen, I grew up Pentecostal. And so man, when you would use the word glory, you whoo, glory. You know, it was almost like, it would almost create this aurora. You would think this halo. You would think this, you know, it was almost like Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. Mufasa. Ooh, glory. Come on, are you with me? But do you know that God never intended it to be mystical, but yet he wanted us to know one thing, that he would crown man with his presence. And with the presence and the glory of God, Mankind would be a representation of who he is in the earth. But see, we lost it in the garden. (laughs) Because Eve got her eyes on what she didn't have rather than being appreciative for what she did have. And so they lost it. And now Adam is hiding from God. Adam, where are you? He wanted, he knew exactly where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to know where he was. See, the very thing about our life is God waits for us to get into a moment. And sometimes the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, sometimes it's his goodness that draws us into his heart. And sometimes it's crisis that will draw us into his heart. But one way or the other, God longs to draw us to himself because he wants to reveal his goodness to us. God is great because he is good. It is the goodness of God that reaches in to the very depth and depravity of where we are, where we think we have been, all of our baggage, everything that we bring to the table, and nothing, no good work could even ever impress him. And God waits and draws us Because he's calling us by name, he just wants to embrace us and restore us to what was lost in that place. He wanted Adam. Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. He just wanted Adam to know where he was. Can I ask you today, where are you? 
Where are you sitting? You can get, it's so easy, as Pastor Mike was saying, it's so easy sometimes just to come in and get lost in a crowd. But he handpicks you. He knows exactly where you are, and he calls you by name because there is something he wants to restore. This glory, it, actually in the Hebrew, it is kabod. It means weightiness, heaviness. God is truly the heavyweight champion. But it's this weightiness. If you go in the New Testament, the word glory means doxa. It means the appearance of someone. It actually has to do with recognition. It's to be recognized. And you, you realize the Old Testament and the New Testament make the Bible. We don't serve an Old Testament God or a New Testament. He's God. From Genesis to Revelation, it is a love story that is written all the way through. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is writing his love for us. He is embracing for us. He's preparing for us everything. Man, it is, it is a one written love story. Of what we could not live up to in the old and now what he lived up for us in the new. And so doxa is the weighty recognition. You put that together. And it literally means the weighty recognition of who God is in the earth. Moses would say this. Show me your glory. I just want to see your glory. I just, I want you. I don't want what they say about you. I don't want what they think about you. If I can just have you, that's all. If your glory, if your presence will go with us, we can handle this. But if your presence doesn't go, I can't, I can't go. It so affected Moses. They had, because of the glory, the beauty, the weightiness of God that was on him, they had to put, they, they, they put a, just something over his face because it was going, it was dwindling, it was going down. But every time he got with him, see, in the Old Testament, the presence of God would come upon you. But something would happen because what we lost in the garden would be restored at a cross. Because our image, see, when you work with film, and I'm not going to give you the science of this because I'm not a scientist nor the son of one. But what I'm going to tell you is that there is a process of development. See, when God created mankind in his own image, male and female, all in one, until he pulled the female attributes out of him and God gave a partnership, now the two will be one again. But watch this. When God did that, he was actually, when he breathed himself into man, the ruach, the breath of God, the life of God, what he was pleased with was himself that he had breathed into. And when Jesus came because we lost the image. Jesus comes. He's the perfect hope. That's why he's called Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm going somewhere with this because if we're going to be a city set on a hill. How many realize things have got to be, in, they've got to shift in our life. They got to shift in the way we think. There's a, there's a phrase that used to be said years ago that you're the only Jesus someone will ever see. See, I believe this is an earmarked church. I believe this is a church that God has summoned to the kingdom for such a time as this. I love the church. I mean, I'm a preacher's kid. I've grown up in the church all my life. The good, the bad, the ugly, I've seen it all, and I still love the church. 
My I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. I married a preacher's kid. My wife, her mom and dad over 60 years in ministry. My mom and dad over 56 years in ministry. I mean, come on. That, we had four kids. That was six preacher kids in one household. How I many realized that we needed a lot of prayer at that moment? I love the church. But do you realize, though, that God, God does not sanction what does not look like him? I love how John Bevere, back a few years ago, he wrote the book, The Fear of the Lord. He actually put a pattern together. He watched with what happened when the tabernacle was built, when the temple was built. Actually, what happened in the life of Jesus, where God would come and establish order. And once order was there, he would come and fill it with his glory. The weighty recognition of who he is. The weightiness so that he could be recognized with his people. And then when the glory was violated... His presence was violated. Judgment would come to restore order so that glory could be again restored. Back a hundred years ago, William Booth said this. He said, there is a chief danger that confronts the coming century. It will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. I think he pretty much nailed it a hundred years later. To the point A.W. Tozer would say, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. Do you know that God's people have always been known for his presence? Always. God's people have always been distinguished by obedience. There's been a distinguishing mark. That's why when I, I loved when I walked in this place and I, I, I just sensed the earmark of God on this house and on your leadership and, and just through the years being a recipient of knowing what seed in good ground happens, what, what fruit comes from that, even the foundation that you can go through shaky times. You can go through moments you think the enemy is going to kill, steal, and to destroy everything, but never forget that the foundation you lay determ determines the length of success that you have. Have. And what God has laid in this house is for such a time as this that I believe the greatest days of Healing Place Church is ahead of you and your eye is not seen, your ear is not heard, neither have entered into your heart what he has in store for this place. Now look at your neighbor and say, I think this is going to be for somebody like you today. Go ahead, tell them that. Why? Because Jesus, Ravi Zacharias said, Jesus didn't die to make bad people good. He died to make dead people live. How many were dead? Now you're alive. Come on, man. See, he has a plan. And his plan is always, even with the perfect hope, Jesus, who would be known as Christ, the hope of glory. What is his hope? It's his life. On the day of Pentecost, when the church was being activated, when the church was being empowered, when the church was being engaged by heaven, the whole purpose was not for them to stay and enjoy another service in the upper room because Baton Rouge isn't looking for another service. They're looking for you. They're looking for someone who is a bearer, 
who is a representer, someone who has, an enca- who has had an encounter with the presence of God and that his presence becomes your passion. That there is a, there's a sound within the sound. There's a voice in a voice. There's something inside of you that is different. That, that the very neighbors you live around, the very people you work around, the very sphere, your oikos, your sphere of influence that God has placed in your life is for the purpose of what was restored at the garden. And that would be God inside of human flesh. Remember I read to you, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him without him was not anything made that was made and in him was life and his life was the light that radiates negative moments that brings healing and wholeness I think about this entire thing of where it says the blood of Jesus brought and purchased our peace of the reality that we were walking in that we had no hope so the solution he said is going to be my blood he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross goes on to say in first Peter 1 and the ransom he paid was not mere gold and silver it was the precious blood of Christ the sinless spotless lamb of God I was talking to your pastor last night he said man we're having a prayer meeting tonight and he said we'll just plead the blood of Jesus all over this place and I went man do you know how long I've heard a past it's been since I even heard a pastor talk about the blood of Jesus that there is a solution that comes through the perfect one who is the restorer of the old Adam he is now the new Adam he is the one that says I I'm giving you the ability to look God face to face, eye to eye, and be able to be as holy as he is holy because I am holy. Do you realize that's the restoration of this weighty recognition of God? That he takes everyday, ordinary people. I'm I'm so... (laughs) We live in, I live in a city of engineers. There are actually more engineers per capita and those with doctorates in Huntsville, Alabama than anywhere in America. And I'm, I'm a living, breathing illustration that God takes foolish things and freaks out engineers. <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, I'm one of those people that engineers will look and scientific people will look and go, we, just, we don't get it. Why? Because he's not looking for your education. He's waiting on your willingness. He's waiting on someone who will say, God, I, I just want you. I want you more than life because it is out of your presence I find my purpose. It's out of your purpose, God, that I find strategic plans. I find all of these things that I need. But, Lord, beyond some strategic plan, you've called everyday, ordinary people to be bearers of your glory and your presence. You know, the prayer of Jesus, it wasn't our Father who art in heaven. That was the model form prayer. He was teaching us a form prayer so we would learn the lifestyle of prayer. See, if you want to learn to pray, which is one of the greatest sins of America, is we've lost, we've lost 
We, it's the sin of prayerlessness within the church. And it's that entire aspect that, that he taught us. He said, I want to teach you a form so I can lead you to a life. So if you learn to pray a form, notice the disciples never ask him, Lord, teach us to heal the sick. Lord, teach us how to work miracles. Why didn't they ask him that? Because they had this realization, wait a minute, something happens. Every time Jesus gets alone by himself and he's talking with his father, we get out early in the morning, we're going to look for him. He's always there alone. He's praying. We've heard him. We've watched him. And when he comes out of that place, stuff starts happening. God starts with the weighty recognition because Jesus would say, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. If you've known me, you've known my father. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Watch. And so they looked at him after all of that, and they went, wait a minute, let's put this together here. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray like you. There's something about your life. There's something about when you talk to your father. But in John 17, it was his prayer, one of his prayers, and here's what he said. Father, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Father, here's my heart. Let the weighty recognition of who you are be seen in me. Let me see that in you so that they can see you in me. I realized I, I, a long time ago I can't give what I don't have. That's why I want to... After the day of Pentecost, Peter and John are walking to the lame man at the gate. And they said, silver and gold have we none. You know, a lot of places nowadays in America can no longer say silver and gold have we none. But neither can they say in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. But there was this weighty recognition that they had been with Jesus. There was something about them that they said the ones who turned the world upside down, they're coming and hanging out here also. Stuff happens when they show up. Someone, what they preach is so real to them that we see the very one they preach about. So we'll just, we'll just call them Christians. If they take the name, we'll just torture them. Because they're so much like him. Why was that? Because the passion of their heart, the passion of their life, is when those Greeks came to him and said, Lord, we just want to see Jesus. He became their passion that said, I just want him beyond, I want him more than anything. It stirs up this longing that even Saturday when you show up for prayer here at 9 a.m. and there's a gathering for prayer, I'm believing, as your pastor said, it's not just hundreds that show up. I'm believing that thousands show up because there's a desire that says, God, you have put us in this place for such a time as this. We want to see you more than we want life itself. We want the fame of your name. God, we want, the, we want your glory. We want the weighty recognition. I'll never forget a few years ago, we planted our church 17 years ago because he starts framing out these things of our life because the picture of light has your face in it. It's what Jesus restored was for your ability to be framed up in his heart. We started our church probably against all of 
the protocols you should have done. Had I followed a church growth manual, we would have failed at every point. We did everything wrong. Everything. I mean, well, we may have hit a few things right, but we hit most of it wrong. We'd gone in a hotel. We'd set up and tore down for seven months. Then a guy gave us four months in a, in a building that you had to go looking for us to find us in Research Park. They wouldn't even allow us to put a sign up, so you had to really go searching for us. And the, and the church kept growing, but I kept passing by on University Drive. I kept passing by, which is a main thoroughfare in our city. This old bar, it was at a Sheraton Hotel. And it was called Joe's House of Entertainment. And I mean, it was a, it was a rave party bar. A&M is one of the, one of the largest uh, African-American campuses in America. And it's one of, our, one of our bedrock campuses there in Huntsville. And so it became a rave party bar for A&M. A few years before that, a lady, when it was a regular bar, before it was changed to Joe's, it had become everything. Before it was changed to Joe's, it was, it was another bar, and a lady was killed with a box cutter in the, on the dance floor. It was so many people gathered there that night, I've seen footage of it, that it took the paramedics over 30 minutes to get from outside into where the lady was, and she was dead by the time they got there. So they closed that bar up. It opens up, reopens as Joe's House of Entertainment. And right up front from Joe's House of Entertainment, now again, it's this old Sheraton Hotel, the old ballrooms they were using for dances, then they had the huge bar area, and then they had the, everything was being serviced from there. And then at the front of it, it had a massage parlor, an adult video, and an escort service. And I kept passing by, and I would hear, I just feel this in my heart, just, I want you to stop in and ask her lease it. And I'm like, dear God. Nobody's going to come to a church like that. Every day I would pass by. I put over 20,000 miles in a few months on my car just trying to find a place so we could light and find a building. And I kept passing by. And if it had for lease sitting up there. One day I, I pulled in. I actually called a friend of mine. I said, hey, will you join me? I just want to go in here. You know, I'm still a new pastor, but yet. I don't want just a pastor going into the bar, all right? So I go in, and the owner of the bar, he actually, I found out later, he, was, he owned probably every major bar of our city at one time. And this was kind of where he had his offices. And so I walked in. I could see his desk straight ahead of me. He had his door open. I walked in, went back there, and I said, hey, uh, we'd like to talk about leasing your bar. He said, really? You got any money? And I went, well, we're a new church. You know, we're, we're about 10, 11 months old. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll consider it if you'll let some of your people co-sign with you. So they'll take responsibility for it. And I went, well, you know, we don't work like that. I said, because if this church can't stand on its own, I don't, I'm not going to have someone sign their own personal. I said, no, we won't do that. I said, I'll tell you what I've prayed about. Would you allow us to give you six months advance? We'll pay you six months advance for three years if you'll lease it to us. He went, you'll do what? I said, yeah, we'll give you cash. We'll pay you six months advance for three years if you'll give it to us. He said, well, son, I'll think about that. So I walked. While he's thinking about it, I go into the bar with my friend, and we're sitting at a high top, and I'm just going, God, I'm... This is crazy. How are you going to be seen in this? I mean, 
This is crazy. And the Lord had already spoken to me years before. He said, if you'll go for the people no one wants, I'll give you the people everyone desires. If you will just not worry about your image, this is not your image. This is my image. And if you will just trust me, if the guys will come, if you'll just trust me, we're sitting there talking. I'm just, I'm thinking, this is crazy. Who's going to trust their children to come next to an escort service, an adult video, and a massage parlor? And all of a sudden, this African-American brother walks in, pours himself a beer, and comes and stands right next to our table. And he said, what are y'all doing here? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And um, we're actually praying about making this a church. What do you think about it? He set the beer on the table and he said, I think it's a great idea. We need a church here. And he walked out the door. Now, I don't drink. I'm not a drinker. But I'm going to tell you, at that point, I'm like, I could probably finish that beer right now. I don't know. Because I'm like, God, what are you doing? He said, this isn't about your image. This is about my presence, what I can do. See, I would have no idea that that man who walked out would come a few weeks later and he would give his life to Jesus. I had no idea that the, that the bar manager that had been there for years would come until he died four years ago, he would be on our security team because he gave his life to Jesus. I had no idea that people would start coming. That people would start coming thinking it's still Joe's house of entertainment on Saturday night. We'd just say, come on, belly on up to the bar. Everything, we're open. You can call him Joe, you can call him Jim. I had no idea people would start coming. Parents would start bringing children on Wednesday nights. We were not assemblies of God, but the assemblies let us do their Royal Rangers on Wednesday nights. Right next to an escort service, massage parlor, and an adult theater. Little kids started coming. Our neighborhoods started cleaning up. The stories of lives. I'll tell you to this day, overwhelm me. Stories that represent in this room. Do you understand that God doesn't have plan B? You are still plan A. That what He would do through His Son perfect one that would be Christ in us now is the hope of glory that he gives us a way that all of my righteousness is filthy rags so I have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and what was restored from the garden at the cross was now when father looks at Rusty he doesn't see Rusty he sees himself in his son he says, that's what I'm pleased with.
and I will use my life in you to fill the earth with my glory, to fill neighborhoods with my glory, to fill workplaces with my glory. If you will be willing, you'll find out I am able. We serve an amazing God. That is the display of grace, of his mercy, of his loving kindness, of what the blood of Jesus does in a life and the framework of God to a lost and dying generation. They cry out to us. Would somebody please show me Jesus? We're dying out here. I believe this is a house of his glory. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.